Heyo everyone, this is Kirk, and welcome to another super fragilistic episode of Delirious. As you know, the theme of the show is unique perspectives on living large, and by all means, our guest this week has certainly found her happy place on this planet. Bree Canlin is on the faculty at Mount Ararat High School, where she teaches baller courses like World Religions and World Government. She turned her love of seeing live bands into a super cool pet project as a concert blogger. She's a storyteller. Bree has actually graced the stage several times at the Sound Bites storytelling series here in Maine, and she maintains the most active bucket list like I've ever heard of. So you're going to actually hear about all that here on the show, but first, of course, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Delirious is brought to you by me. That's right, my crazy talk, my surprisingly catchy guitar riff, and my slightly obsessive need to be the center of attention, of which my wife likes to remind me on the regular. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me at kirk at delirious.com, or you can hit me up on the Facebook or Instagram. You know social media people, figure it out. But for now, listen up and settle in for Wicked Cool Chat with Miss Bree Candland. Yeah, so how's it going? Bree, what's up? This Here we are, I know. here we go. I'm so excited. How, how are you doing? What's good? Ah, it's going to be Friday tomorrow. The sun was shining today, I heard. Yeah, it was. I don't have a window, but I heard. I know, right? For the first time in a week. I know. Unbelievable. It's nice that there's sunshine. Yeah. I assume it's warm outside. Is it warm? It's a little warm, yeah. I mean, it's, it's... It's good. It felt it felt nice on my face when I poked my head out there earlier mm, today. That sounds so good. Yeah. I'm psyched that we get to talk like more than the couple minutes we usually do in our faculty parent meetings. The way that goes is usually like I walk in, I'm like, so how's my daughter doing? You could say, well, she tried to burn down the school. And I'd say, hold that thought. I'm late for biology. Right. Right. It's like, you know, so it's good to have some, some time. And, I know. Um, but I wanted to talk to you specifically because you do so many cool things, right? The theme of the show is like unique perspectives on sort of living your best life, right? So you have you like have this great positive energy. People are really drawn to you. Like you do all these amazing things, not only in your career professionally and teaching, but you've got the concert blog, your storyteller. Um, you've got an amazing bucket list that you keep on your desk that I want to hear more about. <laughs> and I just learned today, I just learned today, you have a master's in, uh, is it theology? I do. That's amazing. And, and you ha- And you have two cats named Nelson Mandela and Margaret Thatcher. I do. <laughs> I love them so much. Nelson Mandela's been sleeping on the couch all day. I've been watching him on the cat cam. Oh it my like god! Makes oh, you have a, wait a minute. I have a you cat have, cam. Yeah, you do not. I sure do. Oh my gosh! Um, it was because when I lived in Gardner, somebody broke into all of our garages one day, and I was just really angry about it, and no one had a camera. Yeah. So I bought this. Oh my gosh! That's that Nelson so right now. Cute. He's on the couch in our living room right now. Wow! Isn't that sweet? That's so cool. Yeah, I let my period four kids say hi to him because there's a speaker and microphone. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, hello, guys." That's <laughs> pretty cute. So. I don't well, feel like I need the cat, the security camera and bath, so I just have it for so cat purposes. So how often do you check that? Not very often because normally they're not sleeping on the couch these days, but yeah. I put this comfy blanket on the couch Ooh. so it entices them to sleep on the couch during the yeah. daytime so I can check in on them and you just feel happy. You know I have a dog, happy. right? Yeah. Denali, and he usually doesn't sleep on the furniture, but mm. for some reason in the past few days or weeks, 
he'll just like randomly jump up on the sofa or the bed. And of course, the, I I am like, okay, I don't know if I want the, the dog on the sofa, but mm-hmm. the kids they totally they that. just are like, oh, he's so cute, he's so snuggly. I know, right? So, yeah. I guess you know, he's getting old. I guess I'll let him do what he's gonna do. Yeah, and it's good for your like blood pressure to like hold an animal. Oh, that's true. It, like yeah. lowers your blood pressure. It's like yeah. makes you live longer. Well, I gotta go give him a squeeze when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about, so much to talk about. Okay. First thing I want to talk about is your, uh, the concert blog, because I just love it. I want to know, like, how did you decide to start doing that and why? Yeah. It, I think this is year eight doing it. Maybe I think I started January 2012. And what happened was I just noticed I was seeing an awful lot of concerts. Like, you were. Way more than more normal people do. What's normal? Um, I don't know. Like, some people I know have never seen a concert in their whole life. That's a lot of my students have still not seen their first concert. Who was your first concert? Elton John. Elton John. Yeah, my first big concert with the Elton John in no way. Portland. I was in eighth in Portland? grade. Yeah, he played the Insurance Center or whatever yeah. it was then. Yeah, so um, that was a great, great show. And my first first concert, like small folk concert, was Dave Mallet. Yeah. So like Maynard, okay, I was like yeah. five years old. But my big yeah. first concert in an arena type situation was Elton, Elton John, John, which is pretty cool. In Portland. In Portland. Wow. At the whatever the Cross Insurance Arena was back then. Yeah. So my first concert. And so I was just seeing a lot of shows. And yeah. it turned out that in one year, I realized I was on pace to see one show per week. One show per week. So I was going to see 52 shows wow. in 52 weeks. And so I thought, that's kind of a cool... And people were like, how would you afford, as a school teacher, yeah. all these concert tickets? And I yeah. said, that is an excellent question. And so then they said, you should really find a way to monetize this. You should start a blog. I had a couple of people mm. say it to me. And I was like, would anybody read it? Right. Why would anyone care what I had to say about a concert? And then I started writing in January, I think, of 2012. Uh-huh. And just like, here's where we went for dinner before the show. We got there in time for the opening act. Here's mm. who they were. I really loved them. They're great songs. Here's some of their lyrics. Yep. Here's a video of them. You should really check them out. Here's their website. Um, or if I don't write about an opening act, it's because I hated them. Oh, wow. So sometimes okay, I just so won't even mention them. Yeah. Or if there's like room to grow, I will mention them, yeah. but it will be very clear I didn't love them. Yeah. Do you do you like go in with an idea or do you go in with a notebook? Like I'm going to take notes on this show? Or... I used to. Yeah. I used to go in with a notebook, but then it became too much to carry. And also I wanted to start getting closer to the stage. Like being close to the experience is so important for me. Yeah. So like Thompson's Point in the back by the food trucks will not do it yeah. for me. I love I really, being at the front of the stage. Right? You want to see the, the facial expressions. Right. And so I said, I'm going to also learn how to be a photographer. Yeah. So I got like the fancy overtime mm. concert professional camera. And so now I get not only a press ticket to go cover shows from publicists, but I often will have a photo pass, which means I have special access to the That's stage. Unreal. So you so yeah. you get passes to these shows mm-hmm. from and just because you said, Okay, I just want I'm gonna start this blog mm-hmm. because I go to a lot of shows, I spend tons of cash on it, and mm-hmm. now I get to go for free mm-hmm. as long as I write about it. Do you get yep. like VIP access? Do you get do you ever get to meet the bands? I mostly don't want to meet bands. Can you believe that? I really don't because I'm, I had an experience once where I met someone who's a pretty famous musician and they were just not having a good day oh. and somebody near me asked them a question and it didn't go well and it made me really think he was a jerk. Was this in Maine? It was in Maine and Portland. And I wonder I, if I was at the same, there was a show I went to yeah. in Portland. I, maybe I shouldn't mention the name, but uh, mm-hmm. this person came out on stage, played like one or two songs 
didn't like it, went off stage, very displeased, and then he came back, he came back and played like three more songs, but then he was like, that's it, I'm done, I'm out, peace out. And he left. Wow. And he played like five songs the whole night. Mm-hmm. This was not the same show? It was not the same show, but I know what show you're talking about. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and um, this was like, I think I actually did win tickets to like a soundcheck performance. Yeah. And so I was at soundcheck and afterwards they agreed to sign some things for some people and I just happened to be near the person who asked a question and he was just so rude to the person. Oh. And I was mm. just like, oh, but your music's so good, but you're not a nice person. Yeah, that's not And cool. then I felt weird about like supporting the music after yeah. that. So I actually like kind of don't want to know musicians mm. because... What if they're having that one bad day and it ruins how you feel about their songs yeah. that matter mm-hmm. to you? And like, yeah, for me, lyrics and songs matter so much to me. Like for me, music's like a religion, right? Yeah. And so, sure. and my partner Dan, like he likes that music sounds good yeah. and I like what they say and uh, that I feel it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like we went to see the Milk Carton Kids and Dan yeah. loves the Milk mm. Carton Kids and they're so charming and they tell great stories and they have funny banter and their songs are lovely. Uh-huh. But like, there's nothing slayed me in the heart. Like, yeah. I want the like, ugh, the yeah. agony of this song lyric. Yeah. Like, that's who I love. Huh. So, so who are you? Who are some of your favorite bands? Or who are to see live? I guess. Um, Brandy Carlisle. Well, I got on the I train mean, in 2005. Brandy. You did. Yes, I've been on Brandy Carlisle since 2005. I saw her by chance opening for Rayla Montaine. Oh, you did Wait, at the Berkeley School of Music in Boston. Huh. And I was like, oh my gosh, you are so much better than Rayla Montaine. And I was mm. a huge Ray fan, but yeah. she is just like otherworldly yeah. good. Did you see that show? It was at like some high school in Portland. Yes, it we was were, at I the was I, South Portland. Or, yeah, South yeah, Portland. I was there too. She played at the high school. She played at the high school. And she had Gregory Allen Isakoff with her on cello. Yeah. Or something. She had somebody with, like Gregory Allen Isakoff might have been with her opening the show. He, I love him. Yeah. Um, other people that yeah, I So Brandy, love. I mean, Brandy oh my Carlisle. gosh. How many times have you seen her? Probably not that many, maybe yeah. like 12. 12 to 15 times you've seen Brandy. I think so. I don't keep track of I like... You've got, you've got me beat. I'm sorry. And I'm you're a big it. fan. You like Flown to California I'm this year. Huge, yeah, we so saw... The, the Joni Show. Yeah, we saw The Joni Show. That's really cool. So yeah, we, we went to California to see that show. I've seen her maybe a half a dozen times, but definitely one of my favorites. Definitely somebody that I try to rush, rush the stage for. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, rush the stage, is that's important for me. So concert etiquette really matters to me. Okay, tell me more and about so concert I, etiquette. I have found that over the last three or so years, I am seeing way fewer concerts, and it's because people are rude. Mm, at the show at the shows and it's not a certain age demographic or yeah. gender expression it is like just people are rude huh. and so I'm seeing way less music because I'm tired of a few things one people just constantly on their cell phone not even paying attention to the mm-hmm. show yeah. two this is real common people will be immediately underneath a performer having a full volume conversation Ugh. the whole show yeah. Like That's underneath them. Annoying, yeah. And then when people push me physically and try to take the space that I'm in, when mm. I got there, when the doors opened yeah. or before to earn this good spot, to be here for the opener, the break in between and the person. Right. And then you push past me thinking, oh, well, you can just stand there. Yeah. Drives me nuts. And it's happening so much more that I've, I'm really seeing fewer and fewer shows and being more selective. Like, do I have to see Guster for a 20th time? <laughs> Love Guster, have a special place in my heart, but yeah. I'm probably done mm. with 18 shows and right. I'll see them in a quiet, seated venue sometime because yeah. I just can't handle it. It's mm. so frustrating. Yeah. How about any uh, sort of... Well, who have been some of your other favorite shows then? My very favorite show of all time ever was, I think, in 2004. 
I saw Glenn Hansard, and he opened for mm-hmm. Damien Rice. Oh, wow. And that show really? was just every beautiful thing you want. It was intimate, and the room mm. was pretty full. That album, O, was really popular yeah, at the time. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember there was no barricade at the State Theater, and I was leaning up against the stage, mm-hmm. and I could like feel the vibration of people's like cellos and basses, and that it was cool. beautiful. Yeah, and I, I love yeah. Glenn Hansard now, who is so was such a mu- wonderful musician in his own right, yeah. but to see them together, yeah. top favorite show of my whole wow. life. So, so good. Hmm. Another band that you should check out that yeah. just likes two, actually since I have you two yes Penny and Sparrow Penny and Sparrow okay oh my gosh it's not heard it's, of them. it's Kyle and Andy and uh, one one plays guitar and one just sings and they just yeah. sing harmonies and these sad sad songs and mm. I love them so much yeah. and when you go to see them live like you're gonna laugh uh, so much in between the songs and then the songs are gonna make you so sad so it's this like roller coaster experience oh, and cool. they know and they acknowledge it and then the other one's Noah Gunderson, who oh, I am I've just, heard of Noah Gunderson. I'm just a yeah. big fan of his. Yeah. And um, I went to see him, I guess I saw him in October, and he came like the October before. So I've probably seen him four times now. But like, yeah. just again, like sad songs, guy on the guitar, yeah. passion. You're right. That's what I like. So how about, have you ever seen any poppy shows? Like, totally. Like, yeah. I, rem- I remember, like, oh, I went to see John Mayer. Like, oh, yeah. I've gone to see U2. I've, like, yeah. traveled to Montreal to see them. I have an awful U2 concert story, but save that for later. <laughs> save it for later. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I'll, like, if Sean Mendez, like, yeah. Matt, your daughter Maddie and I both oh, love yeah, Sean yeah, Mendez, yeah, and if he course. ever comes yeah. to town, mm-hmm. I want to see Sean Mendez. Like, I cannot get enough of Sean Mendez music. Yeah. Like, we, like, you can probably always hear it on the radio, too. Right. So, like, sometimes if I just need a little hit of energy on the drive to school, I'll be like, one of these channels will definitely have a Shawn Mendes mm-hmm. song if I just keep hitting them. Yeah. So when you go to these shows and like do the when you're doing the blog, you said you can, can you monetize it? Like, is it like a legit side hustle? Like, you making money somehow off of it? I mean, I guess I could like have ads. Yeah, you could have ads. I just yeah. don't really want to. But so you're just doing it because you love it and. Mm-hmm. It's great to kind of be creative and, you know, write about the shows. It also just helps me remember. Yeah. Isn't that a thing? That's really great. Leave a legacy, right? Right. So you can kind of go back and remember. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I think I saw that person once. And then, oh, yeah, I saw them eight years ago open yeah. for this person. And now they're having their moment. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just, I truly do in life have a bad memory. Like, I could not tell you the name of my second grade teacher. And so it <laughs> I really, okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> but like, it just helps me like remember yeah. what I did mm. and like what was going on that day where we had dinner before the show what yeah. um what surprised me about the event you know that kind of thing that's super fun it's super fun my uh so let me see if you can guess my first concert this was now I grew up in Philadelphia mm-hmm. back this is back in the 80s rock band from that general did you go see Bon Jovi period. It was Bon Jovi. Shut up. Was it really? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> the oh, New Jersey tour. Hi, that's awesome. Yeah. I still, the lyrics are forever burned into my brain. Mm-hmm. So oh. yeah, I was a huge Bon Jovi fan. Well, who wasn't or isn't? <laughs> Probably still. Yeah, still am. Based on your sort of expertise with concerts and you're really sort of a, a, a connoisseur of bands and being a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. Right? Mm-hmm. I want to play a little game with you. It's okay. called uh, it's called fan or stalker. Oh. And, <laughs> have you ever played this game before? No, I can't wait. Yeah, me either. It's okay. my first time. We just so, thought of it. We did. Yeah, just thought of it. So I'm going to tell you about a couple situations. Mm-hmm. They may or may not be me. 
Okay. So they're totally you. So I I, I cannot confirm okay. nor deny. At least that's what the courts have decreed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you a couple of scenarios, and then you tell me in your expert judgment, fan or stalker. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hampton. This is at the Hampton Casino Ballroom. Saw Brandy Carlisle there. So did I. We were both there together. I, did wait. you see Good Old War open for them? I don't remember. Oh, they're so good. They're from yeah. Philadelphia. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, I like them well, so much. Well, so because she's only played there once. I think so. It was in it was in like 2010. Yeah, it must have been. It must have been. So at that show, there was I was there, and there was this other guy, who you know how like in the in that venue everybody was sort of seated because it was like a dinner yeah. thing. Yeah, that's totally the same show. Right. It was so, so weird. Everyone was like sitting down, but so nobody was kind of up dancing, and this guy may or may not have been me got up and was sort of dancing in the middle aisle trying to get Brandy's attention mm. and got and finally did and got a wink. Fan oh. or stalker? Mm, it's a fine line. <laughs> I think fan. I think if you're moved by the moment. Yeah. I think okay. if you're moved by the moment. If you're like climbing over people to rush the stage yeah. to mm-hmm. give her something that you've made for her. Uh, like (laughs) the stuff that you've like you know like I I sheared this sheep and made this wool and I felt it a a mini Brandy Carlisle for you that's going too far I think that's getting stalkery okay and I do remember uh, that that person was was not they were not very well supported in dancing in that aisle because people were saying sit down I can't see Mm. and you know, I thought the sentiment of that show, I, w- I was very supportive of this person dancing mm-hmm. in the aisle because I thought, my gosh, like this is a great venue and we should be all up celebrating and dancing. Yeah. Okay, so that was fan. That was number one. Yeah. Okay, second scenario. Mm-hmm. Do you know Pete Kilpatrick? Yeah, yeah, I know Pete. You know Pete personally? Yeah, like I went swimming at School Pond this summer and I was like, Pete, Pete. how are you, buddy? And he's like, you've been winning a lot of trivia at Moderation Brewery and I've been <laughs> watching and I'm really proud of you. And I said, thank you, Pete Kilpatrick. So so uh, I saw Pete at, at the Play at the Frontier a couple of years ago, whatever, and I was like, oh, you know, really like his music. I listened to him on the ra- heard him on the radio yeah. and CLZ, whatever. Um, so I was, uh, I heard from a friend that this person saw Pete in the Hannaford one day and uh, went over and said, hello, hey, Pete, how's it going, yada, yada, saw your show, yada, yada. This is this, is this friend telling me this. Yeah, and, then, totally. and then went home and, um, and sent him a message on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> what did the message say? I or so you heard. So I heard the message was something like, hey, great to see you at the Hannaford. And uh, keep up the great work. That's and just supportive. What... That's now, fan. Now, this friend, this friend of mine, his wife said to to him, "What was your goal?" <laughs> <laughs> I think you can always. I think a musician's always grateful to hear like, "Keep up the good work." Yeah, that's okay. That was okay. So that's not stalkerish either. Well, I well, mean, it's getting there. It's I mean, it's yeah. it's pushing it. It's pushing it. But I don't think so. I mean, it's like you didn't say, and can I have your child or like, you know, whatever. I think it's totally fine. All right, That's cool. just supportive. And he's local and normal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's mm-hmm. just kind of a local, regular totally. guy. I think Brandy Carlisle is kind of just sort of a regular person so out there just kicking ass. But isn't she having her moment right now? Oh my now? gosh. I'm like, oh, she deserves this. I mean, she Did you see her perform it. on the CMT Awards? No. And then um, 
Oh my goodness, the what awards Grammys? She awarded. Yeah. They oh, sang the joke yeah. on the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so powerful. She's just so talented. Yeah, well, that showed Thompson's point when she sang the Led Zeppelin song. Mm. Just like I blew my mind. I was so like, good. I, There's nothing she can't do better than everyone else. Yeah. Right. Gosh, wow. And she's just like sort of like a, you know, really humble, down to earth woman. And what know? she's trying to do for women in music right now yeah. by like highlighting them. Like she's open. She, did you see this? That she's opening for people. No. So like she chose some people that she loves to open their show for them, so really? that people will go. Um, I so saw Courtney great. Marie Andrews this summer. Oh, she was opening for somebody else, but Brandy chose her as someone to open for. No Courtney Marie Andrews, and she was good. Wow. Um, she's coming to Portsmouth in May to open for the tallest man on earth, who I've also yeah. seen, who's also great. Huh. So interesting. Well, that was my game, um, fan yeah. or stalker. I think I think fan fan. Fan but fan. But like, it's good to be think. If you're not thinking, am I pushing it? <laughs> then you're a stalker. That's okay. Yeah. I think that's the got rule. It, got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so, so that's really one interesting thing you do. It's like super cool, and, <laughs> Thank you know. You. And I, I, uh, I admire that. And just like sort of saying to yourself, like, I really love doing this. I love seeing shows mm-hmm. and being around music. But I'm going to find a way to do it for free. Yeah, <laughs> and, I spend so much less money on music now. Yeah. And but then there's also certain like more local bands that like I'm not going to ask for a press pass because yeah. I want to support them by just giving mm-hmm. them my money at the door. Right. Or I'll make sure I buy their merch. But also, yeah. like, by spreading the word about their music, because people do read my blog, yeah. like, I, I am doing them a service. Yep. So. You're now, your blog is whatbreesees.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you. Um, I've, I've read it. And I've also, so, so I was, I was uh, doing a little bit of research on you, Bree, before coming to talk to you. And I, and I noticed, I know you did the, we're going to talk a little bit about your story time, because you've done this, um, this series called Sound Bites in Maine, which mm-hmm. is sort of like the moth. And I didn't know the story that I saw, which I saw live, was around your teaching experience, mm-hmm. and that was super powerful. And I want to get to that in a little bit. But I also learned today that you wrote or told a story about climbing Katahdin, which yeah. is really cool. I haven't listened to it yet because I didn't have time. Oh, well, that's but it's your homework. I'm wait. a teacher, yeah. so that is your homework. So you that's on. MainPublic.org, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so the one that I did that you came to, the theme was schooled. Yes. That will also show up on Main Public at some point. Yeah. So that so that story, and I'm, I'd love for you to read it today if you if you are if the spirit moves you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to kind of just to talk a little bit more about your um, how you got into this career of teaching, mm-hmm. and I would say that you arguably teach the most important course at the high school to these young impressionable ninth graders Thank coming you. in in that course is world religions and world government i would even lean heavily more on the world religion side yeah, based too. on just sort of you know the sign of the sign of the times and everything that's going on in the world mm-hmm. and i mean i grew up in you know a very sheltered environment i was raised catholic i didn't know anything <clears throat> about any other religion mm-hmm. around the world and so I had this sort of, it was, you know, there's the, you don't have the knowledge of it, so you're not as comfortable, and so you start to sort of have stereotypes kind of building in your brain and whatnot. I mean, is that, was that sort of the theory behind teaching this course? So I started teaching here, like right around the corner from where we are right now, in 2001. Yeah, wow. And so my second week of teaching ever as a barely 21-year-old person was 9-11. Oh my gosh. And so I, th- I think that's where it all started because then I was hearing all these things about Muslims. All Muslims are terrorists, I kept hearing. And I was like, well, that doesn't jive with like what I think I know. 
but I don't know that much. Mm. And so then one of my colleagues in the English department is an ordained minister, and she had gone uh, for her Master of Divinity at Bangor Theological Seminary, and she went to the Portland campus, and she and I talked in the photocopier room sometime that year. And she said, they have like a world religions program, and Mm. you could get your master's degree, and I think you'd really like it. And so I applied and I got in yeah. and a few, like five years after that, I was in graduate school full time and I have a master's degree in theology. Wow. And so it was then that I said, we've been teaching ancient world cultures here for a long time for ninth graders. Like what if we made it something more current and more relevant? Mm-hmm. What if we just did world religion, religions yeah. <clears throat> and people were all on board. Really? So like it didn't very, take... very quickly. And they're like, well, if you design it and pilot it, you can do it. Yep. So it was a pilot class at first. So you said, how long have you been teaching that class then? I think this is pretty close to year 12, hmm. maybe? And it's always for ninth graders. It's always for ninth Which is the graders. perfect It's the perfect time. Great. Perfect time mm-hmm. to be teaching it. Yeah. It's just a survey of world religions. Yeah. Like, who are the key figures? What's the holy mm-hmm. text? Mm-hmm. Um Sacred places, sacred objects, rites of passage, holidays, and like an important issue facing people in this group either now Mm. or in history. Yes. I remember all of these. I know you do. Of course you do. (laughs) I know you you do. At least one of my daughters wanted me to help her study Mm -hmm. for world religions tests every time there was a section. So I learned uh, so much about Christianity and Judaism and Hinduism and Buddhism. And were there others? Islam. And Islam, yeah, yes. The big five. Those are the five we do. Those are the five. Mm-hmm. Ever thought of adding any to it? It's hard to add just yeah. because we're so time. short on time. I mean, we talk about Sikhs a fair amount mm-hmm. here and there, um, mostly in that like they're not Muslims, like yeah. because there's so many. There's been like hate crimes mm-hmm. against people who are wearing turbans because yeah. they think they look like Osama, and people just like can't figure out what yeah. a turban means. Right. So we've talked about them some too, um, primarily. And like we talk a little bit about like pagan and indigenous spiritual traditions, especially when we talk about Christianity and some Mm. of the traditions Mm -hmm. that come from pagan origins. Um, But those are like the biggest ones that we've had time for. Um, Kids also will ask questions about like, what's Scientology? So sort of like whatever they're interested in. And my dad happens to live like one town over from the, the, from Clearwater, Florida, where the Scientologists like run the show. That's their national headquarters. So like every so often, like does I'd, he have some good insider knowledge? Well, he like he just sent me probably a week ago the most recent magazine for Scientologists because oh. it's just so fascinating. Yeah. Like why I'm interested in like why do people believe what they believe? Where do they mm-hmm. learn to believe that? Yeah. How does it impact their life and how does it impact their relationship with other people? Yeah. And so those are sort of the questions we're unpacking for a semester. Yeah. What what so as you're going through that course with these ninth graders, mm-hmm. have you seen them? get enlightened hugely yeah and in fact last year one of the english teachers had a written assignment for some other writing prompt and brought me two responses from my students Mm -hmm. and it was um i don't it must have been like a a challenging stereotypes like some sort of personal writing prompt and two of them had written about how before the world religions course they really did think that all muslims were terrorists because they just didn't Mm. know any muslims and didn't know any better so that was like very impactful to just, yeah. but you can see the light bulb opening. Like, yeah. oh, the things that like my, my crazy uncle says at Thanksgiving are not yes. necessarily based in truth. Oh, so true because every, most of these kids, and I was, I mean, I was part of this as well. Just yeah, everyone's family comes from one particular right. background and might not necessarily have that exposure to different 
different religions and different cultures, and Mm -hmm. it's just so important to have that exposure. So uh, is that your favorite class to teach? Oh, totally. Is it? It's totally. It's just so, so interesting. Yeah. So that's your favorite class. Uh, So, I mean, and you've been teaching for almost eight, what, 18, 19 years? This is your 19. 19. Mm -hmm. Did you always know this was going to be your calling? Oh, my gosh, no. Absolutely not. For sure, no. Um, Well, we'll talk later. I missed a lot of school. Growing mm. up in middle school, you did, and then um, when so I so you grew up in Maine. I grew up in Maine, I, mostly in Bangor. I'd say we moved yeah. there when I was in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Before that, we were in Washington County. Um, oh, yeah, really? like down East Maine. Right. But you were born. You're from away. I know it's the worst. <laughs> I know. I was born in California. Born I can't California. help it. You, I feel like you have kind of a California vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad's from California, near San Francisco, and oh yeah, my mom graduated from Sumner High School in Winter Harbor, Maine, uh-huh. in in that neck of the woods, and uh, she moved to California after she graduated from high school. She wanted to see the country and wow. like, get a little life experience, and so she moved into his apartment building. Hmm. And the story is that he, she was the first person he had ever seen who tucked their blue jeans into their go-go boots. <laughs> and I don't understand what that sentence means, but it was I can I can picture it. Yeah. So And here I am. But I was born there. Yeah. And then very quickly, they were like, well, where do we want to raise a kid? And so they, dro- they literally drove across the country by Christmas that year. So I was born in May. And by December, we were already in May. Oh, wow. So you didn't spend much time at all there to soak in the sun. Oh, no. I missed the sunny moments. But I was there for a summer, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. I have no recollection of it. But it does technically. But it has imprinted oh, totally. on, your, on your brain mm-hmm. as a Californian. Um, so you said you missed a lot of school. Is it? As a middle schooler, oh, I got picked on so terribly. Oh, so you, so this was, uh, you just didn't, you weren't socially, you were not having a good time, and no. you, and you were like, the heck with this, I'm not going to go. Yeah, and then really? in high school, so and that actually made me leave my school system, and so uh-huh. I went to a pri- private public. You had to apply and get in high school yeah. in Bangor called John Baptist. Yeah. So I opted out of going to high school with these people. And so I, and that changed my whole life because then I was like, oh, these are my people. Like, these are people who like, like school and are nice to people and are interested in academics and also who are very competitive. So like, I remember I graduated fifth in my graduating class and like, I went to Bowdoin. I got an early decision. It's the only college I applied to. And it was like before the internet. I didn't know it was hard to get in. Like I was very naive about the whole thing. Um, and I'm the, I'm a first gen college student. Too. Me too. Yay. Whoop, whoop. Um, but like number one in my class, uh, went to Harvard. Number two in my class went to Dartmouth. Number wow. three in my class went to Stanford. I blocked oh out gosh. who number four was cause I was jealous or something. <laughs> but like, so Bowdoin was like a safety school for people in yeah. my graduating but class. Were you really competitive? Were you competitive too? I think so. Because yeah. like you just like, you were in, in this environment. environment that like, we're all trying so hard to do well. Yeah. And that really changed the direction of my life. Like my students are always saying like, you have such cool friends. Like mm, I have friends yeah. who are like space archaeologists and who direct the Max Planck Institute for like animal behavioral sciences and mm. who live all over the world. Like we're going to go to Lanai in Hawaii for Christmas for a Amazing. week to spend with two college friends. But they don't get free concert tickets. They... <laughs> <laughs> but it's just because I went, I ended up going to John Baptist and then yeah. to Bowdoin and it like just yeah. changes your life course. So when you were at Bowdoin, that, is that when you started to think, I think I might want to be an educator? No, <laughs> no, I, I was, I thought for sure I was going to be a psychiatrist, psychologist, oh. therapist. Ooh. I thought I was going to be a listener. Um, mm-hmm. and then a listener. Interesting how you put that. Yeah. I thought I was going to be a listener. And then, I mean, I think I am a listener cause you're a teacher. You don't just talk, but, right. um, the, 
they they send you an advisor. Every uh-huh. kid coming into Bowdoin gets a non-major, and you don't declare a major until your end of your sophomore year. Right. And so it just happened that my pre-major academic advisor was the chair of the education department. Oh, and serendipity. It was serendipity. And she was like, Bri, I really think mm-hmm. you would like my Education 101 class. Yeah. And then that was it. That was it. That was wow. it. But if it had not happened, right. I don't at all think that would have happened. Yeah. At all. So you've been doing. So you've been teaching for almost nineteen. This is your nineteen. Nineteen years, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, you know, coming into a school every day where you've got to bring your A game for all of these teenagers. Yeah. Like, how do you do it? And do you ever have days where you're just like, ugh, like ugh, I'm having a down day. Yeah. You do. And I think that the probably the best you can be is authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why I get along well with kids for the most part is because I am my authentic self with them mm-hmm. and I hope that they will be their authentic self with me. So like there are days when you don't feel well or your cat died or mm-hmm. I mean for real. Yeah. And there are some hard days. Thing, people, teachers are human people who go through things. Yes, it turns out. So some days you just like don't have an A game. Yeah, you know, or you spilled coffee all over yourself in the morning and you just haven't recovered yet. Mm-hmm. And I think like the best thing that you can model for kids is like to be a full human, mm-hmm. like a well-rounded full human with a real life experience. So true, and that shows them they they have the safety to to do that too. Yes. Like they can have a bad day. Yeah. And like I'm not a guidance counselor mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not a trained professional listener. I'm a mandatory reporter, but like mm-hmm. you know, but a kid could say to me, like, I'm really struggling with this or I'm really worried about this and I'll be like, That's I'm so glad you told me that. Let's walk you down to this office where you can really get the help that you need. Like, yeah. I'm a referrer. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of kids will tell you things. I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. Because they trust you. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, you're, you're still advising them and a mentor to them in a big way. So, mm-hmm. but you said, that's really interesting what you said that, you know, teachers are humans and experience these things because I feel like that was a, a big theme in the story you told it at uh, Sound Bites, right? And so I, just to set the stage, you told, it was this storytelling series called Schooled and, um, Lots of folks got up and told a story, sort of like the Moth series. And my daughters were there, and we knew you were there telling your story. We didn't know what it was going to be about. Um, But when we heard the story, we were all, I think our jaws were like on the floor, and we were just so, uh, it was just so impactful because your story, well, I don't want to, I won't ruin it, but I wonder if you would want to read the story. Yeah, yeah, I printed it. Because I think it should be told to a greater audience. All of the, Many, many millions of listeners that I have, Brie. The but... Delirious Podcast. <laughs> so I'd that, love it, for you to share the it story. It starts somewhere. And, I don't, and I'm not going to say anything about it because it just has to be heard for the first time. All right. So if you'd asked me as a kid what I wanted to be when I grew up, I might have said a veterinarian or a librarian. And I remember I definitely wanted to be a marine biologist because I thought you got to swim with dolphins. Um, And I never had even a fleeting thought about becoming a teacher. And so it's a really big surprise to me that I have willingly woken up every day and gone to high school for 22 out of the last 26 years of my life. So I've been doing this voluntarily. I took a quick break to go to 
college, but then I went right back to high school and I have been here every day since. And I should also mention, and Kirk can tell you, he can vouch for me, that I teach in a classroom that does not really have real walls or a door or a window. And I've been there for all of my 19 years of teaching. Um, and I never had any interest in becoming a teacher. In fact, I missed a lot of days of school throughout middle school because I was bullied by a couple of kids in my grade and their names were alphabetically on other, either side of me. So it meant my locker was in between their lockers and it meant that when teachers assigned our seats alphabetically, when we were misbehaving, I had to sit between them and they were mean to me and they made my life miserable. And so I stayed home from school a lot, like a lot, a lot, like 30 or 40 days a year, a lot. And I still got good grades and I liked learning and I liked my teachers and I was really sad to miss so much school. And I'm not sure I ever told anybody like how tormented I was in middle school. Um, and I remember that the kid, uh, the big kid on my left who made fun of me, he always called me Goodyear, like the blimp. Um, and I remember thinking he would leave me alone if I was smaller. And then thinking back, I was this like very normal average size kid. Um, but it really shook me to the core. And I was afraid of the girl on my right because she would always threaten to beat me up. She'd be like, today's the day. And so she never did, but I was afraid that it was going to happen all of the time. And so I started bringing just a green apple to school. I really remember vividly doing that and hiding in the bathroom during lunch. So like I was trying to be smaller for him and take up less space and like trying to avoid being anywhere she was. So if I thought she was in the lunchroom, I didn't want to be there. Um, I don't think I ever thought to tell an adult and now I'm the adult. And so I'm surrounded by kids who have just left middle school and it happened randomly because I was advised, uh, the advisor, my pre-major academic advisor was the chair of the education department. And so she said, take my education 101 course and the rest is history. And I've chosen to spend most of my time actually teaching ninth graders. It's what I prefer um, because I feel like they're right on the cusp of deciding what kind of person they're gonna be and I can intervene at like that right moment for them. And I'm this bonus adult who can relate to them and make a difference at this time in their lives. When they're going through this awkwardness of being a young teenager surrounded by teenagers, like that can be a mess for kids. Um, and I feel like I can make school or at least my classroom a safe place for a lot of kids and I'm trying really hard to do that. And so at the beginning of the year, I introduce myself and I tell my students I'd like to be called Miss Canland and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I asked them to let me know what their pronouns are. Um, and I didn't realize doing this like very small thing would make some students feel so much more comfortable and included. And so just at the beginning of this school year, a student in my class mentioned to me quietly as I was going around to all of the desks, um, they said, I actually use different pronouns and an entirely different name than what's on the attendance list, but my family's not supportive. And so for this like one kid on this one day, I like thought of this thing to say that made them feel safer in my room and that that's the best kind of day. Um, and I was the first kid, uh, the first teacher that the kid told and maybe it's because I was just the only one who randomly thought to ask or mention it. Um, I also had a student last year show up in the chair. I always leave an empty desk chair next to my desk, um, an extra like fancy chair. And um, she showed up in my prep period and she said, are you going to the Pride Parade in Portland this weekend? And we were out of town for some reason. And I told her I wasn't going to go. And she's like, well, my girlfriend and I are going to march in it together. And I said, are you telling me a thing I did not know about you until this very second? And she just had this huge smile. And then she gave me this big hug and she went about her day. 
And I'm thinking about when a kid reveals something about themselves to you and they know you're going to honor and support them. Like that is like the best, best kind of day for a teacher. Um, I also try to make a feeling of safety for students in my classroom by creating daily routines because I know this sounds silly, but kids have massive amounts of instability and insecurity and chaos in their lives. And so school is a great place to be stable. So um, in my classroom, students have to respond to me after the bell rings and they have to say hello, good morning. And when the bell rings to end class, they have to say goodbye because we have to acknowledge one another. And during the first days of school, my students and I discuss physical safety. My school has always had an evacuation plan um, and lockdown procedures, and I'm really glad that we do. And we've had them for the 19 years that I've been here. And I go over all of these plans with my students on day one. How are we going to gather at the building? Where are we going to meet? Uh, what we do when we get outside? Um, we walk through our plans for a lockdown, how to exit our room. We, we're supposed to like shut the door and close the window, which is already done because I don't have a door or a window. Um, and then I tell kids that if they're separated from us for any reason, they have to decide what they're going to do during a lockdown because we can't let them in once we've locked the door. And students used to laugh during lockdown drills and then 20 kids and six educators were murdered at Sandy Hook in 2012. It's almost the anniversary of that. And kids don't laugh about lockdown drills anymore. And I don't have to ask anyone to be quiet during them. And it feels really different to work in a high school now after Parkland. And I showed up to school the day after 17 people were killed at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. And it was Valentine's Day, 2018. And we were greeted at the front door and the sheriff's department was here and the police department was here and the superintendent was standing outside and the press was here. And we could only go in and out of the front door. We were all escorted in. And it was, they were all there because there had been these reports overnight of potential threats to our safety by students here in our community. Um, and so what ended up happening was more than 50% of kids didn't show up for that Friday before February vacation. And so my classes are half empty all day. It's the safest day I've ever felt at school because we're surrounded by law enforcement. Um, and kids were really anxious who did show up and they were sad about the shooting. They talked about their anxiety. It was really hard to have any like academic learning that day. Um, but I tried to sort of keep things somewhat normal for them. And so um, they were really worried about these like copycat rumors and these kids who were disgruntled. And um, it was, it, they were all rumors and it was tracked down very quickly and I felt very safe and I knew that there was an investigation and it was fine to be here. Um, but my students didn't feel safe. And so um, less because of those rumors, but now just because school shootings happen and it could happen anywhere and it could happen here. And so they were talking about how they were afraid to eat lunch in the cafeteria. I will never forget that they were afraid that if they were all in the same place all together, like there's, they, they could be surrounded easily by gunmen and like there would be no way for them to get out. Um, and another student was talking about another teacher's classroom that's similar to mine and not far from mine. And they said, I'm afraid to go to my chemistry or physics class because I'm afraid we won't make it out if we have to lock down. Um, and then their phones all started vibrating, like all at once. Like they had their phones on their desks or in their bags and just all of a sudden you can just feel it in the room. And there had been a threat of violence at one of our elementary schools in the district. And um, they were evacuated and then they were dismissed and parents had to come pick up the kids. And the, the faces 
that my students made when they thought like their younger siblings were not safe was the worst. And it's like the hardest thing to remember about that day, actually. It was just horrible. Um, but all in all, we were just tired and stressed. And then it was vacation and we needed a break. And then we came back and a former student was arrested a few weeks later for making an actual online threat against our school specifically. And so he was arrested. And that just reminded us all of this like wave of anxiety and fear that we had about coming to school. And so I remember what that felt like to be that kid in middle school. And I carry it with me every day that I'm at high school. And I wanted to do something tangible. So I asked the principal if I could uh, organize therapy dog visits. And uh, she said, yes, absolutely. Um, and so I set to work organizing a schedule and I got four therapy dogs to come in twice over two weeks. Um, and our administrative team had this forum where they asked kids about issues of safety and they could ask their questions and hear how our student, how the administrative team responds to threats of violence. And it was at that assembly that they said, why don't you tell them that what's happening next week? And so I got to tell all the kids that we were gonna have these therapy dog visits and they just erupted in joy. And like these smiles and like actual like gasps and like elation, like it was, they were so, so happy and it made me so happy to have something to look forward to with them. And so the therapy dog visits were lovely and I met students that I'd never seen before and um, people got to come sit down with the dogs in the front lobby or avoid the lobby if they're allergic to dogs. And um, I remember one of my students told me he'd never had anxiety before, but he'd been really stressed about this whole thing. And so he was like not sleeping well. Um, I heard this other student who I do not know, and I actually don't think I could pick her out of a crowd now, say to a dog, um, we were, we'd been worried and sad, but they made it better. I was like, that's the sweetest thing. And so that's all we can do as teachers, really. We can make it a little better for kids to navigate this chaotic world knowing they've got bonus adults who care a lot about them. And it shouldn't surprise me then that I became a teacher. And what I learned is it doesn't matter like when you find your voice or how long it takes you to do that, um, how you protect other people and yourself with that voice is like what matters. And it's the most basic thing I do every day as a teacher. And that scared middle schooler that I was would probably be really proud of this like adult that I turned into. Um, and so I remember asking that night at Soundbites for people to think about a teacher that had impacted them and to like write them a note and say, thanks for that thing that I noticed that you did and it mattered to me. Um, and I could say with 100% certainty that teachers would delight in hearing from former students. Um, my pride in my students will last forever and it is why I cannot leave high school just yet. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much for yeah. sharing that. You are much more than a bonus adult, Miss <laughs> Canlin. Thank you. Um, that story just is so impactful in so many ways. Um, I mean, first of all, just kind of talking about your, be, your being able to bring some form of, um, you know, joy and safety to the school with therapy dogs is really amazing and um, the impact it made on those kids mm. um <clears throat> one thing that really struck me was when i i remember when there was that threat at the school and uh of course as a parent you know and i'm sure all the other parents are my thoughts immediately go to my kids right right it's like where are they are they safe uh i remember at, there was a threat and my daughter, my, one of my daughters was in the bathroom and she was scared to death mm -hmm. and, you know, texting and what was going to happen. But I thought again, after hearing your story and thought, you know, 
what are the teachers going through in this time too, right? Because yeah. you you are almost expected to be this sort of pillar of strength for all these kids in a time when it's there's a lot of uncertainty. And so, uh, how do you like? How do you manage that? And what kind of stress are you under? And how do you sort of rise above it and just stay positive? It is something that I think that like impacts your psyche. It's not something that you can like, I personally cannot think about it too much because it's just too dark. You know, like I, I wouldn't be able to do this job if I let that be the forefront yeah. of my, because it could happen anywhere, right? right? Yeah. So I remember all the lunches that we had, I eat often with like the English department and the number of conversations that we had as a group about like, how we try to keep kids safe and like what our plans would be if and like we're always paying attention to like which exits can we get out of right now it's just like these all of these small mm -hmm. things in addition to worrying about like this kid I know didn't eat lunch today this kid's wearing the same sweatshirt eight days in a row yeah. this kid I know is going through this thing like this kid's been hospitalized this you know this kid's going to juvie like the number of things that are on my brain, like right. worrying about kids all the time, plus mm. like, oh, I'd like them to read and write well and think for themselves and like learn stuff. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I just think that this is, it's got to be one of the hardest jobs. Yeah, truly. for sure. And I just acknowledge that it's, you just do the best that you can. Yeah. And what, so what do you do to stay uh, positive, balanced? Well, I think that's the like adventure stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm just like trying to model for them, like be a whole person, like do what makes you happy. And if it mm -hmm. doesn't make you happy, stop doing it. Think of something else. I got to give like a little graduation speech about that a couple of years oh, when really? I was class advisor. It was like, I gave like a two minute remark and it was, mm -hmm. that was one of the things I said. That's the theme. Um, and the other thing is like, if you're a teacher and you work in a school for a really long time, like you lose students who die. Like yeah. that's horrible. And it happens almost every year. Um, and so because I've lost students who like, I, I'm older than them, I've outlived them. So mm -hmm. I think it's given me this perspective that life is so short and I really try to like squeeze a lot of life out of life. Like really. And this is probably why you have your, your bucket list on yeah. your desk in your I book. Do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I like literally have it. So what, yeah, I know I saw it the other, yeah. the other night at the, at the conference. Uh, I'm dying to know what's on the list, Brian. Yeah. So this is my second list. Oh, you've already you've yeah. already done everything on the first. I, yeah. So what I, <laughs> it's really so when you go watch my other soundbite story, which is yeah. on YouTube, can't wait. That was number thirty-two on my list was to hike Mount Katahdin. Yeah, which I'd never done. Did you do the knife's edge? We didn't because we wanted the easiest trail, and we were told hunt up and back. Uh huh. Which I think, in when you hear the story, you'll realize like that was the right choice for us. Yeah. I'm not. I'm like I don't think I'm super afraid of heights. Like I'm not afraid of the knife's edge. That is a pretty. Gnarly. I've heard That's it. pretty yeah. gnarly. Yeah, I've heard. The knife's edge. I mean, I'm never going back up there. You'll find out why. But uh, <laughs> I would be open to trying it, like, if I could get airlifted in or something. Um, so that, what ended up happening was I was with my best friend for her birthday. And we were in Vieques in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. um, and our friend Susie was there. And we ended up, someone had heard of somebody else doing this. Like, we were there celebrating a 30th birthday. And we're all about the same age. And so we decided we were going to do... Um, 31 things before we turn 31. Oh, that's cool. Wow. In a year. Then. In a year. And so I made like manageable things mm -hmm. on my list. But some are like a reach. Like 
ride in a hot air balloon or that is a reach. Where'd you go? Santa um, Fe? No, no, we or did, Albuquerque. Where, no, where that'd be big, very cool. Yeah, I think it's in Albuquerque. It's one of, yeah, I think it's Albuquerque. I think it's Albuquerque. Um, I did it at the like Lewiston Auburn Hot Air Balloon they Festival. Have, really? There's yeah. a Lewiston Auburn. Yeah. Who knew? The Great Falls Balloon Fest every like yeah. mid August. It was real cool. I, that's like one of my favorite life experiences of my whole it's life. A, it, do they have it every year? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I, gotta I will check make it sure out. I send you a link. Yeah, the so, hot air balloon festival. That, so that was, was real. On there. That was on the list. Visit Alaska was there. Oh, you went to Alaska, and I actually That's... funny because I went to, I think I went to the Brandy Carlisle concert the night before I flew out to go to Alaska. Huh. That one that we were both at at the, the casino ballroom where I was dancing. Oh wait, someone, someone, <laughs> we can't say got that. a wink mm-hmm. from Brandy, mm-hmm. so it made it all worth it's it. It's a very big day. So, yeah, that was on the list. And then there was, like, little things, like learn how to make mojitos mm-hmm. and, like, read Fun. Pride and Prejudice, which I had somehow wow. always that's a tough one. Always I wouldn't have gotten that one done. You know what I mean, though? But, like, it was, like, a variety of difficulty. Yeah. There was a varying level of <laughs> yeah. difficulty from that the judges. Was, I was, the, the, the level of difficulty in Pride and Prejudice for me is <laughs> definitely on the far end of the spectrum. Yeah, and so that I did that, and then I did a 32 before 32 list as well. But then I started the blog. Yeah. Because I started the blog in like 2012. So I was 32. So, um, and then I really focused on that for several years in a row. And then I'm turning 40 in May. Wow. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. You got big plans? Well, Dan and I have been talking because we are three or four weeks apart in age. Really? So he's going to be 40 like four weeks after mm-hmm. me. So he is not so birthday focused. Uh, yeah. We did play laser tag for his birthday, which was that's fun. So much. I've fun. never done that. It was on my list too. It was on the list. But he picked it because he wanted to do it. But then I was like, oh sweet, I can cross this off. My yeah. f- so I'm doing forty before forty. Yeah. And um, we played laser tag. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. So I have said I think we should get a bouncy house and have the taco truck come to our house and just like serve tacos out of the driveway. That is. Fantastic. Those are like two ideas that I yeah. have, but I want it to be like a collaborative 40th. That'd so be so fun. Yeah. Waiting for some input. So, we'll see. Wow. But, Can we get Brandy Carlisle there? Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be so cool? I mean, her star is so high right now. Maybe P. Kilpatrick? That'd be cool. Should I Facebook him? <laughs> Allegedly. Oh my god, Pete, Pete would totally. Alleged, I'm not, okay. He my would friend. totally play a set in the backyard. <laughs> For some tacos. How fun would that be? Taco what's the, what's the craziest thing on your bucket list? <sighs> the craziest thing on my 40 before 40 list, which is like also kind of a buckety list. What's the craziest mm. thing on that list? Oh, and I think kind of an interesting thing on my list is to research the body donor program at UNE. Huh. So when I die, I want to be a cadaver at a medical school. Oh, okay. That's so... on my list. So okay, I have the talk. application in my. You life. have the application. Yeah. To be a bo- full body donor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You gotta get you gotta get it done. Yeah, and so um, that's one of the things, and a and a thing that I'm proud. That of. That is kind of crazy. It's like an interesting thing yeah. that's on my list because I've been thinking. Wait, about so that. you want to research the program? And I so do. That... I have. I've researched it. Now I'm filling out the the paperwork mm. to like apply to be accepted into the program. How, what's the you have to apply? They don't just take anybody? They don't. That You have to be like under a certain BMI. You can't have died in a bunch of certain ways because then your body's not useful to them. Oh, And wow. they need to not be over capacity so they can actually accept your body. So yeah. even if you're in, they might not be able to take you. But what's cool about it is I'm so a teacher. Rules. It's a lot of rules. But <laughs> I'm a teacher and I get to be a teacher in my death. Uh-huh. I love that. Hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, that, wow. I love that. 
And then they um, cremate your body for you. Mm -hmm. It takes like two to three or four years. And then they have a ceremony where they honor all the people who they've used as cadavers. Mm. And the families come. And you get cremated for free. And they give your ashes to your family at that time. Oh, wow. It's like cool. That is really cool. I love it. And then a thing that I just finished, like just, just, just finished, Mm -hmm. is um, I wanted to find out about a hospice volunteer class. And I just graduated last week. No way. Congrats. Thank you. I took a 10-week hospice volunteer course through chan's hospice yep. and healthcare um through midcoast hospital and so i graduated last week i had my interview to mm-hmm. get into the program formally on tuesday two days ago and now i'm just doing the like jumping through hoops that you have to do to be like formally in i have to do like a drug test mm-hmm. um couple have to show that i have like certain vaccinations car registration and insurance information and there's like one other oh a couple background checks yeah so, I mean, all those things will be fine, yeah. but it's going to be a couple more weeks before I start volunteering, but wow. I'm really excited about wow, it. Wow, amazing. So, the lesson for me here is I really have no excuse for sitting on my butt, like, watching Netflix. I watch Netflix sometimes, too. <laughs> like, that's okay. Like, in fact, sometimes yeah. after, like, a crazy week at school, like, yeah. I just want to, like, sleep in Saturday morning, go to the farmer's market, and then, like, watch television for two yeah. hours. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's okay to, like, balance is a thing. Right. Like, so I'm watching a show on Hulu called Dollface right now, and I'm laughing out loud. I'm not it's new. It. It's brand new. It's so funny. Huh. It's like this magical realism, very like girl power yeah. kind of thing. And Dan and I are watching 24. 24. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that so show. it's old, and we're watching that right now. So we have to, we have one show together. He's really hard to get to watch television. Like, yeah, just, me too. So it takes us a long time. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Um, wow. Well, super. Anything else on the list that uh, is worth mentioning? One of the things is to plan a trip abroad. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to Where England to? in February yeah. um, to visit Dan's mom. And I've never been to that part of England before. And also visit Seattle is on my list. Oh. So I'm hoping to go in April. My best friend's Aunt Kathy lives there. Yep. So I'm excited to spend time with her. She is yeah. retired and awesome. Mm. Pacific Northwest is mm-hmm. a great place. I love this list because it's all very manageable doable things it's mm-hmm. not all things like uh i need to be on a rocket ship right cure cancer like you right. can't yeah and then like there's a couple like learn how to make fried plantains and mm. learn how to make oh. horchata which is so yummy delicious yeah. drink um and go ice skating i haven't gone in like 20 years oh wow so i'm gonna go down the street from where i live there's a little pond shack yeah. that has skates you can just borrow and yeah. Just like little things just to get you having those adventures. Yep. We took a puffin cruise because of the list this summer. Any? We saw so many. You did. Well, we had researched like what season, what like yeah. what time of the year is the best. So we went on this puffin cruise out to Eastern Egg yeah. Rock. Yeah. We saw so That's many. That's where they're sort they of fly. The main. Yeah, yeah. They fly. They fly yeah. so fast. <laughs> they were like impossible to photograph. You really just had to like be in the moment and enjoy yeah. it. They're so Were you pretty cute. close to them? Or? Well, we, I mean, we were on the boat and you can't get like too, too close to shore because yeah. it was pretty bumpy that day actually. Um, but you could definitely like, oh, this is a puffin. Yeah. That was really fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's just like fun. Cause, fun like, things. Because I feel like my job's serious. Yes. You know? And mm-hmm. it's like... I feel like it All helps me. All jobs are serious. I don't know. Maybe some are more than others. But... I know. So, yeah. Life is too serious. I don't know. So, I'm just <laughs> trying to have fun and adventure, too. And also, like, has me adventuring with friends and people. Yeah. You know, so, like, I want to take a jewelry making class. Ooh. That's on the list. Mm-hmm. And so, my friend Jen is working on a 50 before 50 now because of yeah. me. 
Um, and so she's like, I want to do that one with you. Yeah. You know, so it's just fun That's to. Great. I got to start. I got to start a list. You need a bucket list. I mean, I have a few things in my head, but they're too, they're too like grand. I got to, I got to bring it closer to earth. You know? Well, I think that's what I did. Like I had like this like bucket list thing, yeah. but then this is like, no, really, here's a variety of things I want to do in this year. Yeah. And then you do them because you mm-hmm. leave it on your fridge and you're like, oh, we need to go to the Gardens of Glow at your desk. Coastal Botanical Gardens. I've never seen that before. Right. You know, I want to see I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to follow up and make sure you do it. <laughs> okay. So. You should. I will. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been super cool and yeah. fun, Bree, and uh, maybe you'll be a frequent podcast guest, Bree. Oh, that'd be that'd so be fun. Sort of, we awesome. can just hang after, out. After another concert that you go to. I know. Uh, anything you want to ask me? Anything on your mind? What do you think is the hardest thing about working solo? Because uh, like you went out on your home? own, yeah, like you you went for it. Oh, for yeah, as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. it was the hardest thing was there were probably a few hard things. I mean, I think one was leaving, starting over from scratch, and basically leaving behind my professional reputation mm. and having to rebuild it. Yeah. Um, you know, I had worked for, whatever, 15 plus years in a very structured environment, uh, had, a, had a steady salary, right? Yeah. But after, when I started um, and co-founded that company, it, it was like a completely new ball game. I had to almost really uh, sort of win back the professional reputation that I had because it was mm-hmm. a it was a brand new idea and no one really knew about it and I was I mean people people laughed at me they ridiculed me they said when are you going to stop this when are you you know when are you going back to a normal job etc mm-hmm. there was a lot of that um, and it took several years to really kind of build that back and so having to having to really build a thick skin around that was was pretty tough well especially because it's so personal i mean it's your literal life yeah it was yeah Yeah. for sure that's hard so it's tough but i have a very supportive wife i know i listened to her podcast episode number one (laughs) number one yeah man i'm thinking about pact right Pact. passion for competing yes what was it accountability accountability Jeez, oh, I she's, forget already. Isn't that I, but terrible? Like, I'm such a bad husband. You're not. That's really clear. <laughs> it was uh, Gosh, the C, ridiculous. I forget. T was... It's not like compassion, is it? Oh, maybe it was compassion. Or like... Yeah. If not, compassion is a good one for the yeah. letter C. Uh, and then T... T's not like teamwork. N- I don't know. No. I don't think so. Gosh, I'm terrible. Tena- tenaciousness. Tenacity? Tenacity? Maybe. I mean, That's I really good too. I really did listen, but I'm also listening to another podcast. Yep. I'm not cheating on you, the podcast, <laughs> but I'm listening to Dolly Parton's America. Oh, I have to listen to this. It's so yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so I finished your I like devoured your two episodes and then I was like Oh my like, gosh, I need to get more. You need to get more episodes. And yeah. so then Dolly Parton's America is my number one podcast recommendation right now. Okay. Besides he- besides heavyweight. Heavyweight, I don't know. Heavyweight, I really like. It's um, Jonathan Goldstein, formerly from This American Life. Oh, yeah. And he helps people negotiate a difficult thing that they need help with. That Ah. Like mending a broken relationship, for example, or telling someone a secret that they've been keeping for a long time. So tough. Heavyweight's cool. Wow. So those are kind of two that I really would lift up to people to listen to. Great. So cool. Anything else on your mind? Any other questions? 
Um, I just want to say that the sweetest thing that you said so far on your podcast was thinking about when you were talking to the shaman, Ryan. Ryan. Um, when you, you make a gratitude list yes. at night before you go to bed. Yes. And um, the one that you said uh, when I made my daughter laugh. And oh. that just made me like tear <laughs> That's so sweet and I love your girls so much. Oh, well, thank you. They love you too, <laughs> It's <Bri>. wicked mutual. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. Thank yeah. you for sitting down and just chatting about all the really cool things you're doing in your life <laughs> and, and the 57 more you're going to do this yeah. year or 42 or whatever it's going to be. Many, so many important so things. So the, the, uh, you truly are living your best life. You are getting out there. It's your world. You went and got it. And that is all for today. Now, Bree, most annoying student. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs>